Welcome to the podcast, Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where I connect authors with their readers. We also talk all about the author's inspiration, their journey to publication, and the authors will educate me and you, the listener, all about the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter, also known as The Author's Librarian. podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And in this episode, I have the privilege of getting um, to introduce to you somebody that started out as an author I didn't know, but has grown to be one of my friends. And so her name is Patty Ray. So Patty, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Patty, I'm going to do the confession. So, listeners, this isn't our first take with Patty Ray because my technical difficulties this summer we actually recorded a while ago. And Patty actually was in a different place with her book. So, it's pretty exciting that I messed up, sort of. So, we're taking two. This is take two. But I'm really glad we are because um, Patty has some awesome, you know, continuing news to share. So as you're getting to know her, you're getting to hear from her for the first time, and I'm getting caught up. So this will be really exciting. Um, so Patty, first tell us what part of the Northwest do you live in? I'm in the southeast corner of Washington. You can't be further south or further east and still be in the state. I love it. I live in Clarkston, Clarkston, Washington. Clarkston. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, we were just chatting before we got started um, with record and Patty and I were talking about grandkids because um, some of you don't know this. Ooh, this might be the big reveal on my podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be an official Yay. grandmother again. this Yay. year. I know we're so excited. Um, yeah. So it'll be my third Um but our first with my husband and my together. Um, But Patty and I were talking about grandkids. You have grandkids living kind of all over the place and you just got back from visiting them. Where, where from? Well, we just came back from a wonderful, but short week trip in Hawaii on Oahu because my, my son and his wife and three beautiful grandchildren live over there. So just, if I want to see them, you know, got to get on that big bird and fly over there and, It was fabulous. My husband and I just had the best time and bonded with our grandchildren. So that was great. And my other son has three children here just across the border in Idaho. So, yeah, we are. And they're older. You know, the oldest one is, you know, 13 going on 20. So it's, you know, (laughs) it's it's a time when I really want to be involved with all of their lives. But it's kind of hard when they're spread out. Yep. Yep. I hear you. Well, grandkids of Patty, if you're listening, aloha from Hawaii and hello over there in Idaho. I hope you're listening. Um, What do they think about you being a writer, Patty? Or have they said anything? Well, you know, um, it's, it's interesting because I've been writing for so long. It's just what, it's what mom and grandma does, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she just writes. So now that I actually have books out, I think they're all going, well, she was really doing something all that time. (laughs) She wasn't just playing around. (laughs) Exactly. I was actually trying to create a product. And uh, so I'm getting a lot of really nice, positive, way to go, mom. You know, I'm proud of you. And from your family means so much more than anything else, because you know that they've doubted you all this time. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, no, I, I understand yeah. that. It's true, though, because, you know, we, we play the role of mom and we kind of get that down. Everybody knows this is that or whatever role we play on on top of that. Um, but my whole goal for doing the podcast and starting to write was because I really want to show my kids that you can do everything and still be very engaged and active. Now, they do know how tired I am all the time. <laughs> But, you know, it's a good example. So you're being a fantastic example to your family. So um, I applaud you for that. So, Patty, when we talked last on the recording that didn't make it, um, you had one book out that I read. And so now you're kind of gone a little farther than that. So why don't we start with the very beginning? So tell us about the start of the storyline that you're working on. How many books do you have? And then we're going to dig a little deeper in your background because you have a very fascinating background as well. Oh, well, thank you. I'm not so sure. Fascinating. I it, think so. No, thank you. <laughs> um, well, um, the story got too big to fit in one book. Mm-hmm. When I first was blessed with this little seed of this story, I really had no idea where it was going to go or where the characters were going to take me. But it has now turned into a five-book series. When I last spoke with you, I was just releasing book one. Book two was on its heels like three months later. And I just released book three, October 1st. So it's been a whirlwind of uh, activity and learning curves and because I'm self-published. So mm-hmm. um, even though I have a fabulous team with my editors and my book designer, I'm the one wearing all the hats and making all the decisions. So, yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. I've yeah. only done one book in that amount of time. I don't know how you've done three. So have you written all five or you're working on four and five now? Four is completely finished and it's with my, I'm working on my developmental, with my developmental editor right now. She's She's, you know, nitpicking it apart. And I just, love it. <laughs> really, Sarah? I know this is what I'm paying you for, but, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. And um, book five is two-thirds written. Fantastic. So I see light at the end of the tunnel, and I have a business plan of when they'll be released. Unfortunately, book four is not going to be released until 2023. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I'm looking at. But it's been a wonderful adventure. And like you said, I have learned a ton. You have. And you know I needed to know. (laughs) And you've shared a lot of that with me. We've done a lot of talking kind of back and forth in, you know, just on Instagram and Facebook together and in email and vice versa. Because you literally put the pedal to the metal from the minute that I had you for the first podcast that didn't air. You had one book out and I read it beforehand. It was fantastic. And I loved it. And um, then you really got a lot done. I have... I haven't always had authors come on that say, okay, I'm going to have three or four books out um, by the next time we chat, Vicki, but you did it. So bravo. (laughs) Well, you know, I I wrote, I started writing this book. I didn't mention this earlier, the series of books, the story 20 years ago. Oh, that's So I've had just decades of time to write this story over in between life and Mm -hmm. my other jobs. And Mm -hmm. so I had this whole manuscript backlog before I ever said, okay, I think I'm ready to publish. So that helped. And because book one is such a cliffhanger and I know that a lot of oh, people was. are not happy <laughs> with that, but I had to come with book two right away. Yeah. I just had to. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, book three is also a cliffhanger, but sorry, you have to wait a while. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like cliffhangers. It keeps me interested. And your first book definitely did do that. Um, I haven't read book two and three yet. I have book three sitting here. And I think I have book two somewhere sitting here, too, in my vast collection of books I need to catch up with. And you'll squeeze that in amongst all the million oh, yes. other things you all have. All the yeah. other things we do. Right? <laughs> so, so, Patty, the one thing I want to touch back on that you said that I I feel you're a successful author. So even if you don't feel like you're a successful author, I feel like you are. So Thank please you. acknowledge, you know, I want you to acknowledge that, that you're successful. Thank you. I will um, Stick that gratefully. Thank you. Um, one thing that you mentioned that I love, and I really want to highlight on this, is because it's something that I learned um, this year too, is you had a business plan. And so talk us just a teeny bit about that, because there's a lot out there for authors as far as resources to learn about how to develop an author's business plan for yourself to be successful. But why did you do that? And does it stem from kind of where you come from? So share a little bit about that and then what a uh, author's business plan may look like. Wow. Okay. I know. I, loaded question. question right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, first, let me say that for the pretty much the same length of time that I've been writing this story, I've also been a freelance entrepreneur. I, I'm a freelance bookkeeper. And so I've always had kind of a mind for budgeting. Mm-hmm. And I've done book, books for multiple different types of industries over the 20 years I've been doing this. So I have a pretty good mindset of what a financial goal should look like mm-hmm. and or what a business plan needs to have to become a, a goal that's attainable. Mm-hmm. So um, part of it was my husband's going, how much money are you going to spend? And when are you going to have this done? And, you know, he's starting to drill me a little bit. So I was like, okay, I need a good business plan. So I did. I just started nailing down. I had spent enough time researching how to do that. And basically you take your end result and you walk backwards. You go backwards to where you're at right now. And you start filling in the steps of how you're going to get to from A to Z. And that's kind of how it worked for me. And so I knew that I had X amount of money to work with. I knew I had the timelines that I wanted to fit that schedule into. Some of them I were able to do. Mm-hmm. Some of them like having manuscript five written by the end of this year was making me crazy. So I had to let that one slide. Yeah, yeah. For my mental health. <laughs> I get that. I've had to do that this year with a couple of things too. <laughs> Yeah, because I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur who's been pretty much, uh, you know, only responsible and accountable to myself and my clients, I have to be very dedicated on top of things because, again, I'm, I'm the one who has to make the final decision. So I better be on top of it. So I think that has helped me a great deal um, as far as creating an author's business plan. Now, the platform and the social media and all that stuff. That's totally a different monster altogether. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the business plan I think came fairly easy to me because of my background in that area. If that so, makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And so for me, when you mentioned um, that you you were an entrepreneur, so there's the terminology authorpreneur out there. That's right. Around, and I love that title because I feel like you just took your entrepreneurial background and also your business background and just translated into what an authorpreneur really is. 
And that yeah, I hadn't thought like, about that way, yeah, but you so are correct. That yeah. is like, and it took me forever to figure that out because I don't have a business background. I have a library background, I have an education background, but not a business background. So for me to translate the idea of books being products was really challenging for me. Right. It was yeah. creative. So how do you turn a creative thing into a product? And then develop that timeline. So you were ahead of the game more than you thought you were. <laughs> I think. Well, you know, I just really created this business plan just like the same time I released the first book yeah. because it felt like to me and, and, and my husband, who's my business partner, and I, you know, he has the right to ask questions and I need yeah, to have answers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to have something in black and white that was attainable and something I could see and read and a roadmap to follow and say, okay, see, honey, I do have a business yeah. plan and yeah. this is attainable. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. And it does help a lot. The other key point that you mentioned I wanted to touch on is that the author's platform is completely separate than a totally different monster altogether. It really is that website, that social media, that um, the promotion. It's almost like the marketing department of your business, right? And that was a whole other thing for me to get my mind wrapped around. Oh, right? Right? How many many hats is there as an author? There's a million. I don't think we've I don't think we've worn them all yet, Vicky. We're still learning. Not even close. No, right? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I love this discussion because um, I I really, really love talking to people that are doing it, the independent publishing. And so um, because I'm, I mean, I did one book and I still believe I'm going to do all my other books this way because I love it. But for us, we're control are, freaks kind of, Vicki. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's why it works for us. It is. It, we can that. kind of keep and track and control of all the little I don't know if that's good. I think they call that like being micromanagers or whatever, but it's our product. I'm not micromanaging anybody but myself. So that's that's right. (laughs) That's right. And it's our product. Nobody can complain to HR about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got that hat too. Yeah, that too. I can fire myself and I have before. (laughs) Right? That's not pretty sad. I love it. But it also feels independent. I love the term independent because that's the one value that I really cherish about this process. For me, self-publishing is having that entity of independence where I don't have to write a goal for myself that I don't believe in to get my boss off my back because this is my my goal, my thing, and my value and my success is measured based on what I believe. And so I love talking to others about it, especially people that understand the business principle, because I think for so many authors, that's a challenge. And I think A big challenge, too, is the idea that if you're going to be a hybrid author or a traditional author, you still have to understand business because you're not just going to turn that manuscript over and everything's going to be done for you. Or you should know a little bit about money (laughs) of how it's going to work out. I mean, it's just like, um, okay, for example, if you have if you own your own business, you're not just going to hire people to do all the jobs that need to be done and you have no idea how to do them themselves. Exactly. You still need to know how to run that business alone. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. You need to know. And you know what this reminded me of Patty. So listeners, Patty and I had a discussion after the first time we talked that I didn't 
get that podcast out. But this, but afterwards, you I was really beating yourself up on that. I one. won't. I don't let things go. But this is a good discussion. So I like this one. But we discussed um, bookkeeping for authors because I was very like, I'm money minded, not necessarily my strong suit. And so I had you write a blog for my squish pin um, blog. And yeah. we created you created a really great um checklist. We we kind of did it together, but you gave me all the ideas. So on my um, squish pin, it's still there. So listeners, if you're curious about how to develop any starting framework of the, you know, business mindset or um, bookkeeping for authors, because my big question was about how to do the bookkeeping part of it. It's kind of a big monster in my mind. And so Patty wrote a really wonderful blog post. So go to my, and I'll make sure it's in show notes, you guys, because it, it was very good and you can still download the checklist as well. So, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. Oh, sure. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. So let's get into the book storyline. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us the title of the series. Tell us the first title, kind of give us the synopsis and then um, take me through what's kind of been going on with you in the books since the first book, but tell everybody about the first book. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, this is a story. I'm just going to give you my elevator pitch here. Here. Um, On a midsummer's day in mid 1740s in the Highlands of Scotland, a beautiful young woman of comfort and privilege magically loses 20 years of her life. After returning from a place she has no memory of, she also discovers she has lost her husband and her children and her life as she knew it. With help from an old and trusted friend, she is able to start to put pieces of her life back together. And along the way, she meets a very handsome and headstrong Scottish warrior who helps her to fight to keep this evil fae queen from possessing her unborn gifted child. So that's the first book. It's just introduction to what my main character, Isabeau, is faced with. You lose 20 years of your life magically in an instant. How would your life be affected? And that's kind of where I went with the premise of the story, is how how would somebody survive a mind-blowing situation like that? If, If all of a sudden you found yourself in that situation. How would you survive afterwards? So that's kind of where this story developed to. And the characters really came to life for me and took me on an epic adventure that I had no idea where I was going, but I've just been following along. And it, it's been amazing. It's been completely amazing journey. Um, I should backtrack a little bit and just introduce the fact that this is a story not only based in historical Scotland, but it's also dusted with the magic of, with magic of fairy glamour. Mm-hmm. Because ever since I was a child, I've felt like I've had a connection with fairies in some way or another in my life. And they've been very special to me. So I knew that when I got, when I was, when I received the seed to write this story, um, I I knew fairies would have to be in it. I just had to figure out how am I going to do this so that it's an adult book, not for children and not too, you know, foo-fooey. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? So well, we're traditionally gonna... fairies weren't the picture of fairies that we have of modern day. They were very much in the lore and myth of cultures. And they were always fuzzy, friendly, little pixie dust fairies. They could have been dangerous, very dangerous. Exactly. So I kind of wanted to reintroduce that philosophy about there are good fairies and bad fairies, just Mm -hmm. like there's good people and bad people. And they have their hierarchies and their political problems and all their bullshit that we have to. Sorry, I guess we're being recorded. It's totally um, <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's not <so>, too graphic. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to incorporate that with a love of, of that time period, um, historical Scotland, because yeah. you know, my my editor and I went for a visit there just before pandemic broke out, and it was amazing, totally yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you about that because we did a long conversation about research. Um Mm-hmm. And you know what, that was in the, the time when I was processing the idea of doing a book on research. And I think our interview spurred me on to really get under the gun and write a book for authors on researching, because we had a very good discussion about researching in that last episode um, that you guys won't hear. <laughs> but the thing that I love that you just mentioned is something that is so valuable is that I feel like you did some really living research. That's what I call those kind of visits where oh sure, yeah. creatives or authors will go to a, a place, they'll fall in love with it, or they purposely go there to do research for a book. And it's living the experience and feeling the textures and feeling the vibe and, and getting the historical aspect of it too, Absolutely. if you're lucky enough to have that, but that whole vibe and color and, and life. And it comes out in the stories when it when it happens and i remember commenting cuz i'd read your book before we talked and i said patty i feel like you'd been to scotland and you you lit up and you're like i did i did research in scotland for this book and you can really feel that in That's the book awesome. i That's love awesome. that so much thank you um talk about with us how you with some other um aspects that you would suggest for individuals that might be writing in a mythical realm or in a um, this kind of a realm, because I get asked this question a lot. How do you do research for fantasy or science fiction? But we're talking about fantasy more or less in Patty. <laughs> okay. Yes, right. Well, first of all, be a lover of fantasy. Read a bunch of it. Yeah. Um, when I was, I mean, I remember as a child, my first book that really sparked my interest was The Hobbit fell in love with the Hobbit (laughs) and been a fantasy fan since then. So anybody who's going to write fantasy already probably has that, that seed of magic in their creative archive anyway, Mm -hmm. but, you know, read a lot, um, watch movies, watch um, things on uh, what's his, the dark crystal. Oh, Brian Froud. I forgot yeah, Jim Henson's Muppets. I mean, yeah. talk about sparking your inspiration. I watched Spiderwick for the first time, and it's about beings from another world. Those are the things that inspire me and trigger my imagination. Watch Outlander helps oh, yes. me. The historical part, you know, mm-hmm. this, you know, the real the reality of the Scottish struggle for their independence. You know, that's written into my storyline. So mm-hmm. yep. I had to have something real to go with. You know, just be, uh, just do it, read it, see it. And then the inspiration will come. Yeah, I love it. I remember making the comment to you. I love this book because it reminds me of Outlander. Um, Because I read all the Outlander books. Her latest one's coming out here in November, the 
in the series, but I read all of them before the TV series yes, came out. I did too. And, and she it, inspired me it so much. Totally inspired me. I wasn't right? thinking about writing until I read those books. And I'm like, I'm right there with you. I love the historical references and she was so good at research and being a librarian. I'm like, Ooh, this is a cool thing. And then she added the mystical aspect to it, which I loved. I thought was great. I will never tackle that because I don't think I could ever handle the mystic aspect of it, but I love it. I love reading it and seeing it. So your book reminds me a lot of the same kind of, not exactly the same, but has a very similar (laughs) feel to it, which I love. Um, So great tips. Tell us, walk us through. So you have book, Two and three are currently out and your website will be on show notes. So everybody can go and buy all three of them because you're going to want to read them straight through. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I got done with book one and I'm like, where's the rest of it? I need to know. I know, right? It's like, I, I wish I could have squeezed them all into one book, but this story just, it really just took off on its own. I think series are totally good. It helps us to stay like ready for the next one. That's what I like about it too. It's like we're binge culture, right? right? I mean, that's kind of how we've turned into as a yeah. culture. You're right. You're yeah. right. So what are the titles of the book starting from the first book to the third? Okay. Well, the series is titled Mark of the Fairy. Mm-hmm. The first book is Curse of the Chosen One. The second book is The Blue Amulet. Mm-hmm. The one that just came out is called The First Femora mm-hmm. and scheduled to be released in the next few years um, <laughs> is book four of Lace and Lions. Now, Lace and, Lion, of Lace and Lions takes us into the realm of the underlings. We are in there the entire book. It's, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, my, my editor um, kept bringing me back to, you're not getting your historical facts. That's correct. You got to go back and fix this. You got to go back and fix that. Well, when I move into book four and I'm in the realm of the underlings, she can't tell me. That. <laughs> it's all up here in my head. And it's whatever I say. Goes. I love it. Isn't that the best? It's kind of like freedom right there, right? It is. It is. And then the very last book is called Daughter of Euphoria. And I'm that's where the book the story kind of comes to conclusion. I'm really hoping the characters will allow me to do that. See, that's an interesting point. Thanks for bringing that up because I don't think readers realize that sometimes we don't have an end to the story. We think we do, but it will, as much as readers enjoy the plot twist, sometimes as we're writing it, the same thing happens. And um, it can be a challenge to get to an end of a a good story. for sure. Yeah. It's also really hard to have characters pass away or die in the story, even though everybody thinks we're off there trying to kill them all off. We're really not. <laughs> we we grieve, trust me, when we write. Yes. This. We cry when we have to kill off our little yeah, darlings. We do. Yeah. But we do love the reaction that everybody else gets upset too. So. Yes, yes. So when I was looking through the titles, um, the the fourth one, the lion, it's lion and lace, correct? Is that the title? The fourth one is of lace and lion. Of lace and lions. When I saw that title, I was totally drawn to it. I'm like, I can't wait for this. Now I'm very, very excited. Um, so, so listeners, you know, I don't like to endorse books very often, but I do try to read every book or try to read at least the authors that come on. And Patty is one of my favorite authors now. So oh, I'm endorsing it. So please oh, definitely you, get the first one and read it. You'll be hooked like I am. So <laughs> why don't I just stop chit-chatting and we sit back and let you introduce us to the characters. Tell us where we're at in the storyline, what book it comes from, and give us whatever backstory you want to share with us before you read for us today. 
<clears throat> okay, well, as I said in the kind of introduction of the first book, you know, it's it primarily starts about out about a woman who's lost 20 years of her life and she's struggling against a uh, well an entity that's not of this world to keep her family together. So now we have gone further into the story. And in book three, I'm going to give you a little brief introduction before I read the section that I have chosen and you'll understand the way. But um, the first, the third book in the series that I'm going to be reading from is called The First Femora. And it continues the struggle of one family's fight against immoral forces that are not of our world. And at this point in the book, the list of main characters has grown. And there are now eight adults and two infants. Most of them are family, a grandmother, daughters, and granddaughters. Then there are those who married into the family and a few very close and supportive friends. The section that I'll be reading is an interaction between two of the main characters. And the content of this section has a good deal of storyline weaved into the dialogue. So it should be pretty easy to discern what's going on. So here we go. I'm a storyteller, so I read like a storyteller. (laughs) Here we are. <clears throat> the following morning, Margaret was digging around in the storage alcove. Why would one woman have so many crocs? She muttered to herself as she set aside another stoneware pot, frustrated at not being able to find what she was looking for by the light of one small lantern. The Edinburgh party had left, the, excuse me, the Edinburgh traveling party had left in the wee hours of the morning, and Margaret had a approached Rosalind as she was preparing to leave. Since she was staying back with Anna and Caitlin, Margaret needed to do something other than laundry to keep occupied. She wasn't good at being idle. Yes, you can take inventory of the preserved meats I have left, Rosalind had suggested. It's been a few months and I don't recall what might be left of the salted pork or the brined beef. Leaving home last fall, I wasn't able to restock my winter supply, so you may not find much at all, if anything. If not, please have Leo fetch us some fresh venison. Or maybe butcher a lamb. Either works. We just need enough to feed this group for a few days. Rosalind turned to leave, but stopped to look look back at Margaret. And don't let him offer up any of my hens in place of hunting down fresh meat. We need all the eggs those chickens can provide right now. As Margaret looked into one more empty play pot, it was becoming obvious that Leo would have to procure a fresh kill. And she hadn't yet found any meat in the storage cave behind the sleeping porch. She did, however, find a crock of flour and one of lard. All she needed was a few eggs, and she could at least bake some bread. Continuing her search, she found a crock that contained dead animal parts, including pigs and rabbits' feet, large talons that appeared to have come from very large birds, the heads of rats and other small vermin, and what looked to be the tail of a skunk. Closing that one, she picked up a crock that contained some strange powder. When Margaret sniffed it, she instantly sneezed, just before the room began to spin. It took her a while to shake off the residual effects, but after her head cleared, she proceeded with her investigation, uncovering a number of stoneware vessels filled with dry herbs, odd-smelling liquids, and one with some sort of rotting matter that could no longer be identified. Grimacing at the smell, She quickly slapped down the lid before Margaret's putrid odor could escape. Continuing her search, she found a large crock filled with oats and other containers of dried grains and flowers, but no meats. What are you doing, Margaret? 
Startled by this voice behind her, Margaret jolted upright. Anna, oh my good Lord, child, she said, clasping her hands to her chest and taking a deep, relieving breath. Sorry, Anna offered. I didn't mean to startle you. Stepping forward into the story, Delco, Anna glanced around in the dim light of the lone lantern. Has everyone else left? Yes, they all left about an hour ago. It's so quiet with everyone gone, Anna almost whispered, as if the silence was a sacred thing. Caitlin's still sleeping. Aye, those men don't know how to talk softly, Margaret said, turning back around to peruse the array of stoneware vessels, pots, and baskets, wondering if she had checked them all. Jared didn't even say goodbye. Hearing the ache in Anna's words, Margaret stopped her investigation to give the young woman her attention. He probably just didn't want to wake you. Or he just didn't want to talk to me. He's been really distant ever since we arrived here. It's like he doesn't know what to say to me, so he's not saying anything. Jared's just been staying busy. He misses you and your son. He misses your son, and he's desperately trying to find a way to bring him home. Don't you think I want that? Anna almost sounded offended. I I only meant, don't you think if I knew how to bring Gabriel back, I would? I would do anything, but I don't understand what's happened to him. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the idea that my son could have actually been taken to another world. Anna paused, and her agitation melted into a look of hard suspicion. If you want to know what I think, the fact that Roz and dabbles in sorcery makes this all sound like witchcraft and black magic, and my son just happened to get caught in the, up in the middle of it. At least that makes more sense than believing in this crazy story about some land called Euphoria where fairies live. Anna scoffed. Oh, does it? Margaret chided. Well, you may have the black magic part right, but you've got the rest of it wrong. Both Rosalind and Isabel have fey blood in their veins, just like you, child. Margaret saw the doubt in Anna's eyes and softened. I understand all this is hard to grasp, but you've been told the truth, Anna. And we're doing everything possible to bring your child back. No one feels worse about this than your mother. She's not my mother, Anna shouted. My mother was Helena Reddington, the only mother I've ever known. She was the one who held me when I was a child, crying in the middle of the night from bad dreams. Helena was the one who took care of me when I fell out of the apple tree and broke my arm, when I had my first broken heart. And she was the one who was there on my wedding day. Anna's memories quickly faded and her face hardened. And it's probably a good thing she didn't live long enough to see this. No, Margaret, Isabel may have given birth to me, but she's not my mother, she said coldly. She most certainly is, and I'll not let you deny her that. Margaret snapped back, quickly coming to Isabel's defense. Anna, I know you're hurting. And yes, Isabel wasn't there for your childhood, but none of that was her fault. She wasn't there because those moments were stolen from her. There was nothing she loved more than you and your brother, and it almost killed her when she discovered what she had lost. But why come looking for me now after all these years? I thought she was long dead, and I was fine with that. I can't even tell you the last time I had even thought about her. I didn't ask her to come back into my life and bring her curse down on me. I didn't ask for any of this. And you think Isabel did? When she returned a year ago, in her mind, you were still her two-year-old baby girl. She only wanted you back. 
just like you want Gabriel back. Margaret took a step forward and felt her protectiveness building for both women. I'm going to let all that bitterness slide on by, my love, because I know how you feel right now. But I will ask this of you. Take all that pain and fear you're feeling, thinking that you may never see Gabriel again, and then multiply it by three. That's how Isabel, your mother, felt when she found out she'd lost her husband and both her children. Please try to have a little empathy, my dear. You're not the only one who's lost skin in this battle. Turning away, Anna went quiet. And when Margaret heard her sniffles, she worried that her words may have come out too strong. I didn't mean to be insensitive, Anna, but you've come late into this game. After what I've seen and what we've all been up against, I guess I've built up a bit of hard skin. She gave Anna a comforting smile before picking up the lantern and heading for the opening. Come along, I'm not finding what I'm looking for here. So what were you looking for? Anna asked, and Margaret was pleased to hear her voice sounded a little less heavy. Well, I was, <clears throat> well, I was searching for some meat Rosalind thought she might have put up, but I didn't find anything edible. Looking back, Margaret knew keeping Anna occupied and her fragile mind off her worries was the best course of action. Let's go see if we can at least gather up a basket full of eggs for breakfast. And it appears I'll have to ask Leo to hunt down some fresh meat. Who's Leo? That's what we're going to find out, Margaret said as they exited the cramped storage area. Rosalind says there's a bell outside her front door. Apparently, all I need to do is ring it and Leo will show up. Stopping halfway through the main cave, Margaret turned. She also mentioned that he's kind of a big fellow. So we're not to be frightened by his size, whatever that means. Anna only shrugged. Well, like you said, I guess we're going to find out. Oh, yay. Another big <laughs> character. I love it. <laughs> that's so fantastic. And I love the dynamics that's going on there. So I think there's enough of the backstory that those that haven't read the first book will be like, okay, now I need to read the first book and move forward. So that's a great section. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that might be a good section to kind of give a taste of where what has happened and where we're at right now. Kinda. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully that did that. I think you did. Bravo, bravo. So, Patty, before we head out of the podcast with each other, um, is there anything that I forgot that we wanted to talk about? I can't remember everything from our last interview, but was there anything that you wanted to bring up or mention? Um, yeah, I think that um, I know that you are probably reaching out to a lot of wannabe authors, people who yeah. are started stories, manuscripts, have an idea, whatever it is that, that's in their mind. But uh, for me, um, it was a really, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a really scary place to go to decide to publish mm -hmm. because I didn't have the experience and I didn't have a publishing house behind myself. But you have to learn to have enough confidence and enough desire to learn and embrace that story that you have because if it was given to you if you were granted the seed of a story and it consumes you to write it to go through the anguish of doing all of that then you've got something that you need to pursue and don't let all the things you don't know yet hold you back because you can learn them 
Yes, I agree. Thank you for saying that. And you're a great example of that because I know that you you self-published and you weren't going to let anything stop you. These stories had to get out and you went for it. And by the way, everybody that's listening, I will comment on this. Your artwork on these books are just gorgeous. I think they're some of my favorite um, fairy style artwork. And so you pose yeah, well for the whole theme on that's beautiful. So now everybody's hopefully looking it up while they're listening on their phones, you know, <laughs> well, in regards to the artwork, you know, you, when you do decide, if you, if you're going to go to the South publishing route, you know, that's when you have to say, okay, universe, bring me the team, mm-hmm. bring me the editors, bring me the book designer, because thank you for what you said about the covers, because this was my book designer. I mean, he's fabulous. And the universe brought him to me. Seriously. So don't, when you're ready, announce it and then be ready for the opportunities. Be watching for the opportunities because that team will come together if that's what you desire. Yep. And I believe that is so true. Having the willingness to learn what you need to learn, be open for that and don't don't discredit yourself because you might not think that you have what it takes because you exactly. do, right? Exactly. Let the story come. Just enjoy that. I feel like the story writing's easy part. <laughs> Let that part come. Right? I mean, that <laughs> yeah. really is when you realize you're, what all is entailed in actually publishing a book. The writing yep. part is easy. Yep. It's all stuff afterwards. It it's it hard. Is. And put it out in the universe, people, that you're a writer and your team will come to you if you're open. And I agree with that, Patty. Absolutely. True. I I had that experience because, like I said, when I was talking to you the first time, I hadn't really formulated in my mind to do the first book, Research Like a Library. And then after I talked to you, I was like, there might be a book in some of the stuff I'm sitting on. And then it kind of formulated from there. And then you were part of my team as far as readers and um, and reviewers and stuff. And it was just, it was one of those magical moments when you, when you know it's right, everything mm-hmm. kind of falls into place. So that, Absolutely. that when moment. Reading, <laughs> when I was reading your book, um, and thank you for asking me for being a better reader, but um, I realized, oh my gosh, I have not been researching right and now that I'm in book five, and it has a lot to do with the political time that took place in 1817. Uh, oh, crap. I can't even remember the time. Period. But anyway, there's a lot going on. And then I want to make sure I get it right. So, yeah, I'm going to take some of your skills and your advice, and I'm using it to make it the best book ever. That makes me so happy. You know what? I feel like if we all can help each other and right. show you know, then it just makes it's a bigger universe, a bigger place for us. So, so thank you, Patty. Your words of encouragement are fantastic. I hope you all listen to it. Um, those words, I hope you find her book. Please go on her website, get her books, let her know you heard um, her on this podcast. Um, and Patty, are you on other places like social media? I do have Facebook page, Patricia Ray, uh, author. I, I Instagram, I blog. Oh, I do want to tell you about oh, that. Yeah. One of the things I have been done, d- doing since I last spoke with you is started a blog. And I think that as writers, um, we need to remember that there's more than one avenue to express ourselves. And mm-hmm. it, the first one was really hard, but it started to come easy once I started blogging on it. And I know that you do, too. So yeah. I encourage you to find in whatever avenue you can express yourself and grow there. Yes. For me, it's it's writing. So I blog. Yeah. I do yeah. Facebook a little. I do Instagram yeah. a little bit. 
you know, it's whatever works. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. It's whatever works and what fits for you. Right. And it's okay that if you, you do something and you're not enjoying it, it's okay to step aside from it and find something else that inspires you. So to continue the creative process. So, well, Patty, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I will have you back when that last book is written, we'll bring you back And so you can finish the whole kind of circle with us of where you're at with these. And um, maybe there's a whole nother book series working on you that, you know, might be popping up. (laughs) Well, you know, we've always got something going on, right? There's little bunnies in the background want to be written too. So yeah. That's right. So listeners, I hope you enjoyed this um, episode with Patty and definitely get on her, on her website, buy her books, let her know where you found her. Um, We never know who's listening to the podcast. So we appreciate it when you say hello to us and um, Patty, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Vicki. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you jump on the show notes and find the author, buy their books, write a review. And most importantly, you can find out more about me and my projects at one of my two websites, www.squishpin.com or theautherslibrarian.com. And until next time, this is Vicki J. Carter, the Authors Librarian, signing off.